Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are a church located in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our mission is to know God and to make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how to partner with us, visit us at fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. Dear son today, I like it. All right, hey. (laughs) Hey, I want to just pray with you. We're gonna jump right in. Um, I wanna share with you a message this morning called The Limp of God. You're like, what? The Limp of God. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we invite you in this room. God, we thank you that you're present here today. God, we felt you as we worship you. God, as we um, have just recounted your goodness to us. God, we've experienced you. I pray that that presence would increase and grow even more to the end of the service. God, and we would leave this place changed today by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for what you've done for us. We want to say we love you. We appreciate it. And God, we uh, give our lives to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going for my John the Baptist look these days, so I'm bringing it back, you know. Some people like it, some people don't, I don't know. We'll just go with it for a little longer. I'm honestly just lazy, so I kind of don't, you know, don't feel like shaving. <laughs> Maybe I'll go with the goatee, John. Be, okay, hey, um, has anybody ever here uh, hurt their foot before? You, you ever had like a limp? You ever had something where you, it affected your foot and you couldn't walk normally? I, in high school, I had something like that happen to me. I was in gym class, just a quick story, and, and I don't know how it happened, but somehow I was running and, and I stepped on something the wrong way and I got, and I had never heard of this before and up till now I've like never heard the word again, but, but the doctor called it a hematoma. Uh, for any of you, you, you medical people in the room, a hematoma, it, 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 you probably have heard that before, I think is what I was told is it's just a deep bruise. It's like a bruise. It's not a break. It's not something where your toe is broken or you're permanently injured, but it, 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 my toe literally within a day had, had swollen to three times the size and it was completely black and blue. It was really nasty. But I just remember having a bruise. I was like, man, this isn't even a break. And I could barely walk. I, had the, I, I couldn't put on any weight on it. I had this intense pain. I actually had to go around high school with crutches, which is, if you remember high school, probably the super, it was super humiliating, right? Like, what's wrong with this guy? It's like, oh, I just bruised my toe. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you serious? But I, even a little injury like a hematoma, it changed the way I walked, changed where I could go. I couldn't play baseball anymore because... I could barely get around without crutches, and, and it, 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 this limp completely changed the course of the next two and a half weeks of my life. Finally, it went away, and I was able to resume normal life, and I don't limp anymore. But I wanted to talk to you today about a subject called the limp of God, the limp of God. I want to start out with the story of Jacob today. How many of you remember the story of Jacob? If you're not familiar, I want to, we're not going to read it. I'm just going to recount to you where, where, what happens through Genesis 27 through 32. And so what happens in Genesis 27 is Jacob has a brother, his name's Esau, and, and, and they're twins, right? And, 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 and the Bible says that Esau was the firstborn. And so Esau was entitled to what's called the birthright in the Bible. Now the birthright was significant in Jewish culture because it meant this. It was a sweet deal if you were the firstborn male. Because you would get twice the money as everybody else, twice the inheritance. 
you'd get twice the amount of land, and you, you were also in charge of the family. And so when the father and mother passed away, you called the shots. You said, hey, don't be doing that, or hey, I need you to do that. And so you were large and in charge. And so Esau is entitled to the birthright, to be in charge, to have God's blessing, and not only just more wealth, but also, also God's blessing would be on the firstborn. There's a promise that went to, to Abraham that he was going to make the descendants of Israel, uh, or of Abraham, more than the sand by the seashore or the stars of the sky, and he would bless him. So there's this blessing that Esau's in line for, that, that Jacob, he deceives his brother, and we're not going to get all into it this morning, but he steals the birthright from Esau. Actually, he's given it to him for a bowl of soup. And he takes it. And then it goes on where he also steals the blessing. And so Jacob, his name means supplanter. I think it's funny, Esau's name. Do you know what Esau's name means? Literally, it means hairy. Isn't that lame? Like, oh man, that's, that's pretty bad. <laughs> hey, you're hairy. We'll just call you hairy. Uh, his name is, Jacob's name is supplanter. He's a deceiver. It seems like his name affects actually what he walks out in his life. But in Genesis chapter 27, Jacob has to leave because Esau is so furious that he's been robbed by Jacob that he wants to kill him. He plots to kill him and Jacob says he's got to leave. So Jacob is, God is with Jacob. Jacob goes to his homeland. It says he finds wives there. He has kids there. Uh, God blesses him where he's at. He works for his father-in-law Laban. He's a shepherd. And it says that everything that Jacob does, God blesses it. It's like when he, when he works with the sheep, it, the, the flocks grow. And, he, and when he works with the cattle, the, cattle's, the cattle grow. And, and everything he puts his hand to, God is blessing it. Uh, Jacob eventually because of the manipulation of his father-in-law, he says, I want to leave. I want to go. I need to go. I've been working for you for all these years. You've changed my wages multiple times. I want to leave and go start my own life. And so he takes his wives, his children, his cattle that God's blessed him with, and he leaves, and he runs away from Laban, the, the father-in-law. And after that happens, there's this dramatic meeting where we see Jacob and Esau meeting again. It's this moment where Jacob hasn't seen Esau for a long, long, long time. And all of a sudden, his past is coming back to haunt him, quite literally. The one who he deceived, who he stole from, who he robbed, now has come to make amends. And Jacob's terrified. Jacob knows for sure that Esau, this is the end of, this is the end of Jacob's life because, because of what he has done. I want to show you in Genesis chapter 32... What begins to happen starting in verse 6, it says this, and it'll be up on the screen this morning. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is also coming to meet you and 400 men are with him. See, 400 men don't come to a family reunion, just in case you didn't see that. Like 400 soldiers don't show up to the, to the family reunion. That's not a good sign. It's a bad sign. And so it says, so Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Look at what he does. He divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. It's kind of messed up, isn't it? Then Jacob said, look, I, I think it's so interesting that Jacob's first response in his life has always been to try to figure it out. So he was promised by prophetic word that he would be 
the owner of the birthright. He didn't let God do it. They deceived their brother. He deceived his brother. Here he's trying to get out of what he's done. He's always trying to deceive and get out before he goes to God. But see, I I think sometimes God will allow multiple situations in your life to get you to the point where you have to trust 100% on God. See, Jacob knows that he's sunk. He's been able to wiggle out of all of the tough situations of the past. He's been able to squirm out of everything that has tried to press in on him before, but he knows that he can't. He knows he's outnumbered and he's outmatched, and the only place to go is to God. Look at this. Verse 9, he says, Then Jacob said, O God of my, of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. Look at this, verse 10. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Verse 11, deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and, my, and the mother with the children. And I love this in verse 12. He begins to remind God of God's promises. He begins to say, God, you promised me so, so and so. And you know, I just want to say to you, when the enemy comes against you, I think it's the right response. Is this, instead of trying to figure it all out, to try to manage the problem, to try to manage what you're going through, you go to God and go to his word and say, God, you promised for provision. Or you promised for my protection. You promised that everything that I would go through to, would work together for my good. So you got to somehow turn good into, in, into all of this. And so he says in verse 12, he said, for you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Jacob says, remember your promise, God. Is this how it's going to end? This can't be how it ended because you promised that you would be with me. Jacob is faced with this circumstance that he knows he cannot deceive out of anymore. He can't figure his way out out of it. He's got to trust 100% on God. I think it's so funny in the next verses, we see Jacob struggling with this, with this problem. And, and, and it's funny because I do it every day. And we all do it every day. Jacob is in between trying to figure it out and trying to get God's help. And so we're not going to read it, but the next uh, eight verses, verses 13 through 21, Jacob is coming up with this elaborate plan to appease Esau. So he's like, I'm going to get all these animals that I have, and I'm going to make this caravan, right? And, and, and have you ever seen, like, infomercials? Like, so he, send, he sends one group of animals ahead, and then, and then it's like, he puts a little space between it, and it's like, but wait, there's more. And, and there's another one, right? And he has all these groups of, of livestock that are going to Esau as a gift to try to appease him. He's, like, still trying to figure it out. So he's caught in between this moment of God. I want to trust you. You promised me, but, but this is scary to me. You ever been in that situation? You just longed to trust God, but you still had to try to figure it out because you were afraid. You know, fear is this. Fear is the realization that you are not as in control as you thought you were. Fear is the realization that I, I thought I was in control of all of this, but somehow I've lost control. And there's only one thing for me to do is to trust God. And so Jacob gets to that point and in verse 22, I want to show you where, where this situation, where the circumstance that really he's brought on himself pushes Jacob. It pushes him 
to God. And I want to say to you today that your problems can push you one of two ways. It can push you away from God. God, you left me. You can blame God. God, this is your fault. You allowed this to happen. Or they can push you to God. God, I need you. God, I've, I've been able to figure kind of, kind of figure it out poorly thus far, but I really need, this is like, this is it. Like, I need you right now. So Jacob says in verse 22, says he arose that night. He took his two wives. Reading this story, by the way, I'm so glad that, that people aren't married to multiple people anymore. There is so much drama in the story. It's crazy. It's nuts. It should not be. They should have followed the model from Adam and Eve. All right. He took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabek. The word Jabek means a wrestling. There's going to be a time where Jacob wrestles with God. It says in verse 23, he took them, sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. And it says, then Jacob was left alone. You know, there's some things God can only do in your life when it's just you and him. There's some things that God can only do in your life when you are alone with God. I love church. I'm a big fan of church. I, 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 I have given my life to help build the church of Jesus Christ. But I know for certain that I didn't grow spiritually the most in a church. I grew the most spiritually in my life where I chose to get alone. Something pushed me to be alone with God where it was me and God. And I want to say the same for you today. If you don't have a time where it's just you and God, you're missing out on something that is going to change your life forever. Get a time where it's just you and him, where we put the cell phones away, we turn the TVs away, we, 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 we get away from other people, family, and it's just you and God. It says he was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the dawn. I just want to say to you, you might know this, but that word man, most theologians believe that this is what's called theophany. It's a pre-appearance of God. This isn't just a, a man who he's wrestling with, like that would be kind of weird. <laughs> uh, it's not an angel, it's God. He gets to the place where he is so desperate to encounter God that he gets by himself, everybody's gone, and he just begins to cry out, and it says he begins to wrestle with God. Verse 25, I love this. It says, now when he, speaking of God, saw that he did not prevail against him. I was always like, man, how do you win a, win a wrestling match with, like, how do you hang in, you know what I mean? Like, that's impressive to me. Like, Jacob is so desperate, somehow he hangs in this match. I'm sure God is letting him hang in, right? But, but Jacob, it says, God saw that he wouldn't let him go. God, I'm not going to let you see in a moment. I won't let you go. Then he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Because I think instead of constantly being frustrated by the trials in our lives, instead of constantly being pushed away from God because we get discouraged at what's happening, how about we begin to get like Jacob and realize, God, you're the one I have to run to, and I am not going to quit until I see you move. I'm not going to quit on that family member until they come to know you. I'm not going to quit on asking for blessing on my finances until I see it. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm going to wrestle with God. I'm going to ask and ask until he does it. And it says, when God saw that Jacob would not quit, it says he does something significant in Jacob's life. Verse 27. 
So when he, so he said to him, what is your name? So whenever God wants to change something about you, he, he begins, with the, begins with what you're called. You know, I used to be a slave to sin, now I'm a son of God. And all of a sudden he gets his name changed. Look at this, and he said to him, your name, your name, shall no longer be called Jacob, deceiver. That's what he's been up until this point. He's lied, he's stolen, he cheated. Somehow God was able to put his blessing on him still because he feared God. But his nature had been one way. He said, you're not going to be like that anymore. You're going to be called Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob said, tell, you, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is that you ask me about my name? And he blessed him there. And so Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. You know, there's gonna be places in your life where you need a Peniel, where you have a meeting place with God, where you see him face to face, that you've so sought after him because you need something to change in your life, that you go after him, it's, even you wrestle with him. You say, God, you gotta come, you gotta touch my life, you gotta work in this, you gotta give me a hunger for you, you gotta deliver me from this, you gotta fill me with love for you and your people, you gotta change me, and we will have a face to face with God. I wanna show you in verse 31, it says, just as he crossed over the penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. You see, this encounter with God changed him for the rest of his life. He didn't just limp for a few days like this wasn't a hematoma. This was, this was a permanent thing that Jacob, now named Israel, limped for the rest of his life. Why? Because he had encountered God in a real way and God touched him. I just want to say to you today that when you have a penile moment with your life, in your life with God, God's going to touch you and you are going to walk differently. I mean, you're going to talk differently. The places that you used to be able to go, you can't go there comfortably anymore. Why? It's because you walk with the limp of God. People are going to look at your life and say, what happened to you? You used to be one way, now you're different. What's wrong? I don't know. I, I walk differently. God touched me. I like got in a wrestling match with God, did okay, and he, now I limp, right? It's like, like God will touch you and you will walk differently. You'll talk differently. You'll be different when you encounter the reality of who God is. God will use your, even your mistakes, your scary life-threatening situations to cause you to get desperate. So don't look at your problems as bad. Look at as as a moment for motivation to desperation. Okay, God, this is bad. You know it's bad and I know it's bad. But instead of running from you, getting disappointed, getting angry, blaming you, I'm gonna allow it to push, my, to allow it to push me to total dependence on you. Amen. And I'm gonna pray. And you're gonna work. You're gonna move. You have the choice to either pursue God or withdraw from God. Maybe you're facing something today that's, that's that fork in the road for you right now. Something so disappointing, something so debilitating, something so tragic that you have the opportunity to get angry and run from God or to pursue him because of what he's calling you to. Jacob chooses to pursue and his life is changed forever. I think this is so cool to me that the children of Israel are not called the Abrahamites. They're not called the Isaacites. They're called the Israelites. Isn't that crazy? 
Like the original promise was to Abraham. Shouldn't we call these people the Abrahamites? But no, God calls his own people by the name of a man who so went and wrestled after God that God changed him forever and he walked differently and he talked differently. Could it be that God is saying to us today that he wants his people to look different on this earth? He wants you to walk different. Can I get an amen this morning? He wants you to talk different, that he wants you to be different, that God's people look different. They limp a little bit. Maybe it looks weird to the world. Maybe it looks strange. Maybe it's like, what in the world is wrong with them? But you're different. You're called by God. God's people in the the Bible are called the Israelites. The people of Israel. The people of the man who God touched his hip and he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. But so had the blessing of God because he encountered him. And so I just want to just share with you today, hey, God is going to create times of desperation in your life, I believe. Allow it. He's going to allow it in your life. And you have a chance today to either embrace it and say, God, push me to you. Or you have a chance to get bitter, disappointed, and discouraged and say, God, I I don't know if I can trust you anymore. I want to tell you, the end of pursuit is always life change. The end of you pursuing him is always him touching you. And you being different. I love this, that. Will the problem always fix itself in a day or two? No, that's not the promise. But the promise is this. I'll touch you. I'll change you. You'll be different. And so I just have some, maybe some practical applications for us this morning as we kind of end here. And how do I get past the moments of just hearing the call of God to getting a limp? How do I get a limp in my life? I just want to say to you today that God has put a call out to the whole, the whole world. I firmly believe this, that anyone who comes to Jesus can be saved. Anyone who says yes to Jesus can receive the gift of salvation. So the call has gone out today. The call's out there. You're all called today. You can, you can know that. Joel 2.32 says this, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. For as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. John 3, 16, we all know that. The Bible says that he has died for the sins of the whole world. He's died for our sins, for everyone. And so I want to say this today to you, though. You are called, but you can be called and still not limp. I just want to remind you of two people in the Bible, Samuel and Samuel and, uh, and Samson, both called to do the same exact thing. Both called to be judges in Israel, prophets of God. Both have the same exact call. Both were the only two men in the Bible who were called as Nazarites from birth. That means to be set apart for the service of God from their birth. Only two men, Samson and Samuel. I can't think of any two men in the Old Testament who have different endings after the same call. You know, just because you are called today doesn't mean that you limp. It takes a choice. Am I going to pursue God or am I I going to run from God? See, Samson's choice was always running away from what God had called him to do. Thankfully, God's grace touched Samson at the end of his life and he was still able to have an impact for God's kingdom. But Samuel chose to pursue God and we see the blessing that's involved in that. that. So many lives were changed. The nation of Israel was blessed. People were different because of the life of Samuel. Think of... Think of David and Saul, both called to be king of Israel. 
You can't tell me that Saul's ending was God's will for his life. Saul had a call on his life. He was chosen by God. But Saul's heart got hardened toward God so quickly and so easily. David wasn't perfect, was he? But he always maintained that soft heart towards God. He pursued his presence. And when he, when he messed up, when he sinned, he went back. He came back and said, God, forgive me. He was a man after God's own heart. And so today, just because you're called today doesn't mean you have a limp. I want to say this, that the limp of God will be inconvenient at times. Think of some of the lives in the Bible where you know, Joseph, called by God, a lot of things that he said no to. Potiphar's wife. Let's just be real. Joseph knew he was a slave. He was never going to be. He was never going to be married. He was never going to. He was a prisoner. He he, he could have easily said, "Well, nobody will know." I'm going to go. I'm going to go have sex with this woman, and nobody will know, and it'll it'll be great, and nobody will ever know. And Joseph says, "No, I can't do this evil against the Lord, my God." He walked differently. There are places he couldn't walk into because this isn't, this is what I'm called to. It's not for me. And it's the same for you. When you walk with the limp of God, you'll walk differently. You talk differently. You speak differently. People will see you. People will know that you're different because you're walking with a limp. Let me read this to you in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're his own special people. I love the King James says you're a peculiar people. All that means is you're not weird. You're a little weird, but you're special today. You're his special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can you say amen today that you're thankful that he's called you today, that you can walk differently, that you can talk differently, that you are different and he's got a call on your life and he's got a walk for you to walk. Let me just read two more things. The brokenness that the limp in your life might not cause you to be great in the eyes of man, but it will make you great in the eyes of heaven. I just want to say that again because that encourages me. The limp that God puts on your life where you walk, talk differently because you've encountered him might not, in fact, probably won't make you great in the eyes of men. That's disappointing because we like that. Just being honest, we like to be, to be seen, to be known, to be heard. That's just the natural, natural inclination of human beings. We want to be known, seen, heard. And you might never be famous, but you'll be famous in heaven if you wrestle with God and you prevail. If you go after him and he touches your life and you walk differently. Your, your name might not ever be on CNN or Fox News, but it'll sure be around the throne of heaven. <laughs> you'll show, you're show, you're, you will surely be famous in heaven. So I want to say to you today, last verse, let's, let's pursue God. Deuteronomy 4.29 says this, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if, it's the biggest two-letter word in the Bible, if you seek him with all of your heart and all your soul. I want to read it to you one more time. Actually, could we read it together? We don't usually do that, but let's read it together. Deuteronomy 4.29, it's on the screen. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all of your soul.
There's a big two-letter word in there. It's if, and you have the choice today. Do I pursue God or do I stay stagnant? Do I stay the place I am? Maybe God has allowed some situations in your life that you think are to destroy you, but maybe he's put them there to draw you to pursue him. Maybe he's saying, come on, run after me. I'll help you, but I need you to seek me. I need you to come after me so I can, so I can change you. I don't want to just change the situation. I want to change you. I want you to walk with a limp. I want you to walk differently. I want you to uh, impact the world around you because of how you walk. So today, as we end here this morning, I just want to give us the opportunity to, in a fresh way, say, God, maybe, maybe I've been lazy. Maybe I've been negligent. Maybe I've been like, Maybe I've, I've fallen into patterns of sin that I just know are not from you and they're destroying my life. Maybe, maybe there's things that I want to see you do. I got, maybe it's finances. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's, maybe it's a job. Whatever it is, maybe you need to look at it like God's put it there so you can be changed. Not just so the situation will change. So come on, let's pray today. Can we all stand just as we end? And I'm going to pray and I'm going to let Pastor Mike end us, close us out in prayer. But let me pray for you and pray for me. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in this place today in this room. And Lord, we just want to say today, God, that we want to walk with a limp. We want to walk differently than ever before. We want to be changed by your presence. And I thank you, God, that whenever we encounter you, God, we can't stay the same. So Lord, we know you're here today. So God, I thank you that we're going to leave, first of all, different from this place today. But I pray that in the coming days, weeks, and months, you will give us grace to pursue you through different trials, through different temptations, through different situations, that we'd allow it to produce in us the fruit of the Spirit. And that we would walk differently, that we would talk differently, that we would be different than ever before because we wrestled with you. And you came and you touched us. And we're different. We're changed now. So God, we say today, come and have your way. Come change us. Come be to us everything that we need you to be. We ask for forgiveness today for trying to manage our problems, manage our lives, to manipulate our way out of problems and different things and, and try, to, try to figure it out constantly. And God, we just want to say, we want to rely on you. We want to rely on, you, on your presence. So God, we do today. We love you. We thank you. We just say yes to you today in a fresh way. We say we want to pursue you. We want to go after you. And we know that when we do, if we do, we will find you. So God, touch us today. Change us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.